Whether we cheer it or fear it, artificial intelligence has landed hard on the organizational doorstep, and its arrival as a business technology has generated a whole lot of noise. There's a raging debate crossing the public and private sectors on whether robots, algorithms, and other increasingly intelligent technologies are more likely to be a boon or spell doom for the world of work. It's easy to get lost amidst all the uncertainty and speculation, but when we do, we may fail to see what's happening right in front of us right now. AI is already creating new forms of employment. In fact, researchers at Accenture have identified several new categories of jobs spurred by AI. This research is featured in the MIT Sloan Management Review article, The Jobs That Artificial Intelligence Will Create. I'm joined by authors H. James Wilson and Paul Doherty for a look at the findings from their first round of research and what they have learned since about the new roles that AI is creating in the organization. Jim and Paul, welcome and thanks for taking the time to talk about the work you and your colleagues are doing to help us understand AI's impact on employment. It's great to be here today with you, Paul. This is Paul Doherty and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Great to be here, Paul. I think we agree that we should all be concerned about the high risk for job displacement through intelligent automation. It's a real threat, not just on the factory floor, but you note that that is not the full picture. AI is also creating fully new types of jobs. So first, help get us situated. Will you introduce us to your findings at a high level? Yeah, we started this about two and a half years ago uh, when Jim and I were looking at the advance of AI and the current state of a lot of the discussions around AI. And we became, you know, concerned about the type of dialogue that was happening. Uh, as you say, there certainly is a massive impact on the way work is done, you know, brought on by AI. But we also, in our early experience, we saw a lot of promise to, you know, for AI to change jobs and create jobs and make more human jobs or make jobs more human in many senses. So Jim and I launched this research project to look at uh, 1,500 organizations and how they were using AI and how it was impacting their business, their workforce, and, and, the, and the, the things that they did in the company. And the, the finding was that contrary to what a lot of people think, we believe AI will create a lot of novel new jobs. You know, it will certainly uh, eliminate some jobs. We believe that the net effect will be creating a lot of jobs and jobs that are good jobs that leverage our, our human capability in different ways. And broadly speaking, we came up with three categories of jobs that we call trainer, explainer, and sustainer, you know, three categories of new jobs where we're using our human capability in different ways to allow AI to have the positive impact on the way we work, the way we live, and uh, overall a you know, positive impact on outcomes. Thanks, Paul. Let's walk through each of these categories, beginning with trainer. So we initially did that uh, research of about 1,500 companies, and we didn't initially see these three job, job. categories but when we started to dig down into the research, when we started to do follow-up case studies, that's where we really started to see these jobs surface. Managers that we were interviewing talking about writing fundamentally new job descriptions. And we actually saw uh, recurring job titles, job categories that they were writing for. One of those job categories is the trainer role. And these are the people that are quite often uh, doing the, the data science. They're doing 
uh, the machine learning engineering, they're the ones that are actively building the AI systems. One of the things that we see is that even within the same company, there can be a lot of variety within uh, a particular job category like a trainer job. So for instance, Tesla, you can see that the car maker is recruiting line managers with experience in robotics and robot engineers and computer vision researchers and deep learning scientists and machine learning systems experts. So really rich variety, even within that that one trainer category within a single company. And Jim, trainers are exclusively kind of technology experts? No, not necessarily. And we can talk some more about that. You know, it's important to have functional experts on your team uh, as well. So it might be that you, that you have a person uh, with a marketing background uh, or an operations background on your team that are helping identify and solve problems that the technical experts, for instance, the data scientists, will then go in and solve for. And just to add on, and you know, one specific type of job we see here in the trainer category are uh, the AI personality trainers. Somebody who can behaviorally train the chatbots and intelligent virtual agents that so many companies are, are deploying right now. And what their companies deploy those those solutions to interact, voice-driven interaction with their consumers and such, what they're realizing is that AI becomes the brand. And so you need to train it to behave, you know, behave in the right way, to operate the right way, to have the right answers, the right tone, et cetera. And uh, that's a, you know, a, a non-technical type of job that's needed to shape that type of behavior and work with the engineers to get that behavior implemented in the right way in the solutions. Great. Let's move on to the second category, which you label explainers. Yeah, explainers is one that's, I think... Uh, getting to the fact that AI is embedded in very complex systems and business processes. And so there's an issue both of explaining AI itself and how, how it's working, but more broadly explaining the kinds of outcomes that are being generated by the systems that are, that are being developed. For, you know, for example, um, if you think about a, a self-driving car, it has a lot of AI embedded in it, but there's lots of other driving systems and things uh, included. So when you think about autonomous vehicles and what's happening, we need, what we're seeing is companies creating roles of people to understand the overall context, the system, the environmental conditions, the road conditions, lots of things in addition to the AI itself and how it was behaving so that they can understand and tune the systems to operate more effectively. And those are you know, some of the types of, uh, understand that impact is, is the types of jobs we're seeing in the explainer category. In some cases, these explainer roles are actually uh, being uh, encouraged through regulation. So this year, by some estimates, there were about 75,000 new explainer roles being created related to the GDPR's right to explainability. And these are analysts uh, in banks, for instance, and in customer service centers and that sort of thing that ha that answer customers' questions about an algorithmic decision. So are explainers always an interface between the organization and the public, or are they also interfacing within parts of the organization? Uh, they 
quite often are interfacing with parts of the organization as well. So for instance, in healthcare, uh, we're seeing a lot of early evidence that explainers are working with physicians in explaining why an AI system is making a particular recommendation and whether then the doctor can go on uh, and make a medical recommendation to uh, a patient as a result. But they often are working, you know, in healthcare settings, making interpretations uh, and sharing insights with medical professionals, not necessarily uh, patients or customers. So let's move to the third category, sustainers. This is really speaking to the roles that are needed to manage you know, AI, the use of AI, and to make sure that it not only behaves right at the outset, but it continues to behave properly to produce the desired outcomes over time because the technology changes, the data changes, the situation changes, the business changes, and the sustainer roles are, are people who really understand you know, the outcomes that need to be driven to make sure that you know, that, uh, that, that outcome and that impact is sustained. They also spend a good deal of their day thinking about unintended consequences from AI systems and how those end up uh, being received by the public. Uh, so, for instance, surge pricing uh, is a surge pricing model going to be something that is sustainable for a company? That was an issue. Uh, obviously, some of the firms like Uber and Lyft had to deal with initially. So how do you come up with a surge pricing model that's, that's algorithm-driven but also is sustainable? Things like biased algorithms, discriminatory facial recognition systems. These are things that uh, kind of that first wave of trainers didn't necessarily think about, but now sustainers to think about whether these unanticipated, unintended consequences uh, are, you know, something that can be managed or maybe uh, even the, they might even recommend that an AI system has to be, you know, taken out of operation until the company figures out how to get it right. What's an example of a title that a sustainer might have in the organization? Yeah, I think sustainers, you know, can manifest themselves in, in a number of ways. And it's we're seeing this often as a, uh, a kind of augmenting the 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 the, uh, the team or the work that's being done in different situations. For example, in um, manufacturing or factory types of situations where they're using you know collaborative robots and you know, different types of technology that need to be you know continually you know configured and and uh, rearranged to meet the you know, dynamic needs of the of the supply chain and the what they're producing. You know, sustainer roles in that sense would be the uh, you know the technician who's reorganizing and managing the interface between the you know the robots and the you know, production process that's being performed. So those are the types of you know types of roles that we see there. You know, just driving up and down the streets of San Francisco, you're going to pass uh, a number of uh, autonomous vehicles, but of course, uh, sitting behind that robo car is an AI uh, safety trainer, and so you see a lot of those roles, you know, in autonomous vehicle uh, situations. And in general, any company that's building robotic systems is also gonna is gonna be hiring for these AI safety or AI uh, compliance officers that really make sure at a, at a basic level that the systems that, the, that they're deploying are, uh, are safe in the public. 
You did this research originally two years ago. And I guess in, in terms of the longevity of management ideas, two years is really not that long a period of time. But in the world of AI, we almost should be talking about dog years, I think. Two years seems like a <laughs> long time. So I'm wondering if you were, when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at the market today, when you're looking at employment trends today, would you stick to these three categories? Have they evolved? How's your thinking shifted, if at all? Yeah, I think uh, there's a little bit of both. I mean, I'll, I'll talk first about what we've seen with the, the categories we identified. You know, if you look at trainers, explainers, and sustainers, I think we see you know, more evidence every day of how these roles are growing and increasing. You know, for example, if you look at job postings, we were, which we were researching a little while ago, uh, you can find explainer you know, in, in job titles now, uh, algorithm explainability engineer and you know, financial services ex- explainability specialists and things like that, the need to explain the algorithms and the AI. So we're seeing this accelerate, I think, as you said, you know, in this dog year type of fashion. We've also seen some, seen some compelling examples from some of the early entrants of why you need these roles. And I think Facebook is an instructive story with, you know, what they've done following, you know, with, with all the, you know, the focus and uh, on them around Cambridge Analytica is they've created, you know, tens of thousands of new jobs to add humans in to manage the algorithms and produce the, the results that people really want in a more responsible fashion. And those are sustainer jobs. You know, it's people added in. And you know, I think Facebook's comment was along the lines of, we've concluded algorithms can't manage the algorithms. We need people to manage the algorithms. And those, are, those aren't isolated incidents. I think those are examples of the roles that all companies are going to need as they deploy the technology. Yeah, I mean, our article focused on unprecedented new job categories where people are out there developing and responsibly managing AI systems. But while AI is certainly creating new jobs, it's also changing old jobs by augmenting them. And we didn't get into that much in that initial article. For example, at one bioscience company that we've been looking at, uh, it's based out here in the Bay Area, Uh, Scientists use robotic lab equipment to help on certain experimental tasks. And the robotic helpers kind of precisely squirt liquids and they plate cells and they count microbe colonies in a way that augments and accelerates scientific work. And as a result of this robot augmentation, scientists are now able to complete about 400 times more experiments each week. So if you think about that, a scientist now has the potential to make 100 years worth of scientific discovery in a single year through AI augmentation. But, you know, the the lab scientist's job content has really changed quite a bit. Uh, She now kind of does things that are quite a bit different than she was doing before and has different ways of doing them. And we didn't get into that topic as much. We were much more focused on the job creation, not the job content change. When we're looking at the three fully new categories of jobs, how equally and evenly distributed are these roles going to be? Are there particular industries or types of organizations for which these roles are going to emerge earlier? Are there other organizations that should take kind of a sit-back-and-wait approach? Yeah, so I I would make uh, two points here. Uh, The first is that companies 
really need all three roles. For instance, a, a few years ago, many of the most advanced AI firms, you know, the major technology companies, for instance, focused exclusively on staffing AI trainers. But now they're playing catch up. So you really do need to have all three. But I think, you know, one insight here is that the AI talent war is quite a bit different and broader than a lot of people initially thought. Uh, and my, my second point is that the distribution of the roles is going to vary quite a bit by industry and customer and regulatory context. When we're looking at these new categories, it would seem that one of the fundamental challenges organizations face is that these are jobs that no one has done before. No one has ever trained to be an AI trainer. How do we solve for that? That's one of the biggest challenges that I think we have to face as we look at how do we prepare people for these new roles and how do businesses and organizations prepare for, you know, for these new, for these new uh, roles. And we've done some follow, you know, some follow-on research on this, and we think there's three things that we really need to focus on to get this right. One is uh, focusing more on experiential learning. If you look at... Uh, Traditional training, it would show that you know people forget 80% of what they learn within about a day of learning it from traditional training methods. So how do you get people engaged in the learning process in an experiential way? We think apprenticeships are very important, hands-on learning, you know, learning you know, ejected at different points um, of the process. For example, we've did, done an interesting uh, training and learning uh, uh, approach with a large aircraft manufacturer where we used AI and mixed reality technology to equip workers with a yeah, mixed reality headset that helped them understand the job they were doing and, and do higher skill jobs faster by providing them you know, guidance along the way. And that's an example of using technology plus experiential learning to advance people's skills into these, these new categories. A second thing we you know, found is important is shifting you know, the burden from you know, just the person needing to learn to looking to you know, the, the responsibility of different institutions, businesses, et cetera, have for the training. And one, one thing we firmly believe is that every organization needs to look at learning as a core competency in, in a really new and fresh way. And needs to think, you need to think about learning platforms and lifelong learning as a core part of what you do. Because to your point, you can't, can't go hire people for some of these roles. You're gonna need to build people to do them. For example, when uh, we've worked with an oil company on uh, new drilling technology that uses visualization and AI and gaming engines to create a whole different way for a technician to operate a drill. You know, that's you know, uh, oil drilling operating you know, miles underground. So where are you going to hire the gaming engine visualization inspired driller? <laughs> you're not going to you know, find people on the market with those skills. You're going to have to take your current technicians and develop these new digital skills in them, which is why we believe that um, these learning platforms are going to be a critical component for companies that it's going to be differentiating for those who can get it right. And then finally, from a you know from an overall societal and multi-stakeholder perspective, we need to look at how we enable vulnerable people in the population that are already maybe separated by a digital divide and don't have the right baseline skills to operate this environment and do more to make sure that everybody's got the base of skills they need to participate in the um, in, in these jobs. So this is really interesting. On the one hand, um, a focus on on-the-job learning, experiential learning um, certainly promises or would seem to promise kind of a shorter time frame and maybe more stickiness. 
to get people trained up for these new roles. And yet that's still a major organizational undertaking, maybe not as great as relying on academia to fill the void, which will take you know decades. But still, these jobs need to be done. They may not be fully at scale, but as you guys have um, have noted, they're very much real and happening right now. So as we look at these three categories, um, where should that first crop of people come from? Well, I think one thing it, that we can do today is to make it easier for people to become trainers, explainers, and sustainers by basically lowering the barrier to building or improving an AI system, what Paul uh, and I call AI to democratization. And we're already beginning to see, you know, point and click AI training tools out there, you know, and many of the cloud AI services providers, for instance, are quite easy to use. You know, if you have a data set, uh, you can just upload the data set to one of these services and then start playing around with the data. Uh, so it's, I think the, the complement to what uh, Paul was just talking about, uh, which was raising the skill level, is also at the same time to lower the barrier to using these systems. I think that's a really important thing. Uh, and it's often an untapped opportunity, but we're beginning to see more and more companies migrating toward that model as well. In terms of global impact for these new categories of jobs in particular, and I realize this is going to be a difficult question to answer in particulars, so um, general trends would be fine, but I think a lot of people would like some help in sizing the opportunity that your research suggests, especially as we think about potential job loss at the hands of um, AI, machine learning, and automation. Are the new jobs we're discussing here a relative drop in the bucket um, for the highly specialized few or well-trained few? What is this going to look like at scale? Yeah, the, the, uh, we, these jobs certainly are a, a drop in the, in the bucket, but you have to put it in, in context. We think this is a, a, a major impact. Uh, these jobs are a major impact going forward on employment and opportunity for people. However, just to, to start, you know, there will be a lot of disruption in the labor force and there will be categories of jobs that are at risk for, for automation. But you have to you have to look at the, the broad spectrum of how that'll happen. And from the research we've done, if you look across categories of jobs, if you look at the content of work, there's about 10 percent of work generally that we that we found through our research is human only. Only humans can do. There's about, you know, say, let's say 35 percent of work that is automatable, that, that part of the work is automatable by machines, algorithms, et cetera. And the rest of the work, which is the majority of it, is, is really augmentable, which means you can improve the way humans do it, but it's largely going to be, you need to be done by humans. And I think that's the context around these new jobs is, is most of the jobs become transformed in different ways. And how do we use you know, the AI and other technology to transform the jobs and prepare people for those, uh, for those change jobs? So, that, so it's a big impact. And I, I would say almost every job will change as a result of the technology. Many new jobs will be created and, and some will be eliminated. I think one good data point, having just come from a, uh, a G7 meeting recently, uh, you know, Canada announced uh, that through their investment they're making, they expect a $16 billion economic uh, increase in, uh, in uh, output. 
as a result of the investments they're making in AI. That's you know, significant output. They talk about, I think, 16,000 jobs they're creating you know, through, the, uh, through the focus on AI. And we see similar types of impacts and results around the world and, and larger impacts in terms of uh, you know, in terms of GDP increase, you know, economic out- output, you know, increase by countries. And that's where the opportunity is, is in kind of envisioning how do we prepare people for these new types of jobs that will be created. Yeah, just building on Paul's point, I think you can get a good quantitative sense of the size of opportunity by looking at business leaders' investment expectations, especially around growth. So, In our research, for instance, we found that firms that invest in their AI workforce at the same rate as top performing businesses in their sector uh, are going to grow both revenues, but also their workforce. There's another impact of uh, on jobs that I think we need to think about, which is the, the fact that it's hard to anticipate where the new jobs are coming from, what the new jobs will look like. That's why we tried to be prescriptive and talk about trainers and explainers and sustainers. And one historical observation I'd offer is that if you look back at prior, you know, prior technology ways we've had, you know, 20 years ago, people wouldn't have anticipated that we have you know, large categories of people employed in things like, you know, search engine optimizers, uh, you know, web designers, eBay, uh, eBay, uh, Merchants, you know, eBay retail merchants, etc. And in a similar fashion, you know, we're we're already seeing this creation of the new jobs going forward, and they're they're the unanticipated kind of new things that we need to, to continue to be creative and look for um, as time goes on. So, what's next in your research? You know, in our research, we see that about sixty nine percent of executives believe that their industry is going to be completely transformed between now and 2022 as a result of AI. But we continue to try to understand uh, not only the jobs that are going to be created, but also the skills that are going to help this transformation, that are going to enable this transformation. And I think this is an important area for our research. Paul's already uh, kind of set it up very nicely. Uh, And a lot of our findings thus far uh, have been surprising to us. For instance, uh, you might think that STEM skills uh, are the be-all and end-all for the age of AI, but our research is showing that four distinctively softer skills are becoming much more valuable as we begin collaborating with smart machines and using smart machines. Uh, And these are complex reasoning, creativity, social, emotional intelligence, and and certain forms of sensory perception are becoming much more important. So interestingly, one thing that we're tracking now is uh, that skills are become is just how skills are becoming softer. And what does that look like on an AI team? Yeah, and I think that's, I think going further on those human skills, and because uh, one question we get a lot is exactly that, which is, okay, you know, Paul, you know, Paul and Jim, we, we kind of get you, we believe what you're laying out here. What, what do I do tomorrow? Like, what do I do next month to start you know, preparing my people, my workforce? And to getting you know, that next level of specificity, um, the human skills and how we you know, get people ready, I think is, good, is really important. There's another, uh, a couple other fronts we've launched. One is 
uh, on responsible AI, um, which we hint at, hinted at in the original article, but it's really become more important, which is how do we make sure we get the right outcomes from AI? How do we, you know, speaking of things like transparency and explainability, which one of our job categories addresses, thinking about bias, which is an, an issue that many have run into when they apply AIs, creating biased outcomes rather than inclusive outcomes, uh, thinking about accountability, thinking about um, trustworthiness and issues like that. So we've, we're doing a lot of further work on that. In fact, we have a you know, new article in, uh, in uh, MIT Sloan on, uh, on the, the fairness and approaches to fairness with AI and some work we've done in that area. And uh, these are going to be really important issues for businesses and organizations to grasp to make sure that uh, as, as we have increasing you know, numbers of people working in AI and, and more powerful solutions delivered with AI, how do we make sure we deliver the right outcomes uh, in all cases? Terrific. Paul Doherty, Jim Wilson, thank you both very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul.